say thank you. It's good to see everybody. I know that the traffic is back, so everybody's remote, right? Isn't it amazing how you forget about traffic till it's back and then you're like, oh, crap. But I want to start with um, Jennifer Perot. And um, she's up here. I don't know if everybody can see her, but Jennifer lives in Covington, Louisiana, uh, right down the street from our farm. And um, I met Jennifer through Gina, who I think you guys met through Instagram and just saw each other. Um, she and her husband uh, came and had dinner for New Year's at the ranch. They were just in L.A. filming and they stayed with us and just and I was like, you know so much about social media and have killed it times a thousand. Would you come on and kind of give us some tips? So, Jennifer, if you could just kind of tell us a little bit about you and thank you so much for being here. And then, guys, we can ask questions, too. So we'll have about 15 or 20 minutes after she talks to total to, to kind of talk about this. Jennifer, please. Thank you. Can everyone hear me right now? I just want to make sure that I'm good. Good? Okay. Well, as he mentioned, my name is Jennifer Peralt and I'm married to my wonderful husband, Blake Peralt. And we have a little baby boy, he's one years old and his name is Beckham. And I'm also the digital content creator behind Hot Off The Rack, which is a fashion travel and lifestyle blog that I launched nearly 10 years ago. And since then it has evolved into so much more than fashion. It's taken me to home interiors, to traveling all over the world. And then most recently, I got the opportunity to start designing my own clothing line. And this fall, I'll have my own full collection, which is very exciting. Um, but I'm also excited to be here today to get to talk with you. Um, and if you want to know what my Instagram handle is, it's at hot off the rack. Um, so you can check that out. And it's spelled H-A-U-T-E, hot off the rack, um, just if you want to take a look. And I put it in the chat yeah. as well. Yes. So I'm going to start with five important takeaways for growing your Instagram. And I've got this right up here for me. Um, so you are more than welcome to stop me and ask questions if you want to know anything specific. But I'll definitely try and get through this quickly so you can ask me any questions at the end. So for when it comes to growing your Instagram, my five main takeaways are to be consistent so that your followers know what to expect from you. So whether that means posting the same time each day or how many posts you're gonna do a week. So kind of committing to, am I gonna post once a day every day? Am I gonna post twice a day? Or can I only be make myself available to posting three times a week? Um, and that is for in-feed posts. So the actual picture or video that you post in your feed. I'm not talking about stories. That's a totally different thing that we'll get into. Then secondly is to be engaging. So ask your questions followers and have them have, you know, you want to post something that's going to get people to ask you a question or you want to ask them a question. You just want to be engaging to keep them on your page as long as possible because that's what moves you to the top of the algorithm. Cause I don't know if any of you have experienced algorithm issues, but it's definitely interesting to navigate. Instagram is constantly changing the algorithm. Same thing, that's how Facebook um, really started changing everything where it was so easy to post ads on Facebook and everybody would see your post. And then suddenly you had to put all of this money behind it in order for people to see your post. So with Instagram, their whole, Thing right now is for you to keep people in the app. 
and to keep people on your page. The third thing is to be relatable. So showing them who you are behind your work and behind your brand. Um, Mike, I'm sure you can speak to this more, but I know that when it comes to hiring somebody, especially a lawyer, and you're investing money in this person, a lot of money, you want to be able to fully trust them and feel like you know them. So if they're getting to see who you are with your friends and who you are with your family, what your family life is like, I just think that's so important to people uh, when it comes to trusting in them and hiring them. Um, the fourth thing is to tell a story. So a good content creator is a good storyteller. And I think Mike does such a good job of this because he's telling his stories daily. I feel like I knew so much about him before I even got to actually meet him, which is so great. How amazing that before you even have a, a client, uh, you're just getting yourself out there and you're just gaining all of these potential clients just by putting yourself out there on a daily basis. Then the last thing is to be a good friend. And this is for multiple different things. But when I say be a good friend, I mean, be loyal to your loyal followers. So the people who are constantly liking your post, commenting on your post, follow them back, like their posts back, comment on their post, and then also be a good friend in the other local businesses around you. Make sure that you're, you know, if you go to lunch at a local business, share your lunch, tag them. Um, and then, you know, people will be a good friend to you if you're a good friend to them. So you should really utilize all of the local businesses around you, um, including your loyal followers. So those are my five main takeaways for growing your Instagram. So it's to be consistent, be engaging, be relatable, tell a story, and be a good friend. Five main I wanna, takeaways. I want to open up the questions, but make a couple of comments and ask some questions first of you, if I could. So, so um, most of us, I think all of us are lawyers. We all have a business page. And let's see if we all done this. We're here for you. And the only people that see it are other people who are here for us, right? Everybody's, right? Everybody's saying, I'm a good lawyer. Yeah, so am I. That's why we're all following each other. So how does this, how do you get traction? And one of the things is you said, follow other people. And I see sometimes where you have as many followers as you're following. And then some people don't follow many people and they have a lot of followers. Is there any rule of thumb of, using following other people to increase your outreach? Yeah, so my opinion of that is only follow people that you actually enjoy following. There's no reason to just follow people in hopes that they follow you back because you wouldn't want somebody to follow you for that reason either. Um, so I just say, follow the people that you're interested in following and put out content that really represents you and your brand and you'll get the right people that you want, you know? Um, but yeah, I wouldn't follow just to get people to follow back for sure. Next thing, and I wanna have people be able to, uh, to ask questions as well. You talked about making, telling a story. And I just wanted to say that, um, and making yourself engaging and interesting. One of the things I did in the focus groups I've been doing is I do a little voir dire. And the first thing I ask people is tell me something interesting about you or a hobby that you like or something that's cool about you. And about 30% of the people go, there's nothing cool about me and I'm not interesting in any way, right? But that's bullshit, right? Everybody has it. And I just want to say, like, you know, I got goats, right? 
you know that Gina and I go all over the place. And I, I've gotten two cases. I remember one guy who I'd never met sends me a case. And at the end of the thing, he goes and say hi to your goats for me. And I'm like, how the hell? Right? Or at the end of a conversation of somebody I've not met who refers me a case to go, hey, I hope to get to Cabo and let me know some good places. I know you like to go to Cabo. And that is the kind of thing that you're talking about, I think, that people are interested. And everybody here has stuff that you can be, that is interesting. But how would you recommend our business law page slash personal stuff, how you mix it? Do you have two separate pages? Do you, is it okay to mix them? Yes, that's a great question to segue into my next thing that I was going to talk about, which is best practices for Instagram stories. So if you're worried about mixing the two, I do think it's very important to make sure that you are posting some of your personal life on your business page. And in that case, the best place to do it is an Instagram stories. So Instagram stories is the perfect place for you to be relatable, be yourself, nothing. It doesn't have to be picture perfect. And you can just get on there and really talk to your followers. Um, so the same rules go for Instagram feed posts as they do for stories, as far as being engaging, consistent and relatable. Um, but like I said, this is a place for people to get to know you and a few important things to do with Instagram stories is to make sure to write on the top of your videos, because I don't know about you, but for the most part, I'm usually watching my stories with the sound off. So if you're sitting there talking away, most people are just going to click right through unless you're putting the info, you're writing the information over the video. But in case you didn't know this, Instagram just launched a new feature called closed captions. And I can show that to you later if you can't find it, but it basically does an audio translation. So it takes everything you're saying and puts it on the screen for you, which is amazing. So you don't have to type it up all yourself. Um, and then something else you wanna do is to keep your followers engaged and, um, and, and to stay on your page is to utilize the question feature or the poll feature. So get them to vote on things, get them to answer a question or ask you a question. And both of these are features on the Instagram app that you can just swipe up and use them. Very easy to use. If you need help, I can point that out later or send screenshots to Mike. Um, and then let's see, what's to, oh, right. So as far as being at the top of Instagram, like I said, you want to utilize all of Instagram's new features. So be an early adopter. Make sure that you use anything new. So the most recent thing are reels, uh, which are videos. And something really cool that you could do, Mike, is you could do an office tour. And it's just a highlight reel of your office, like showing how cool it is. Like, I'm pretty sure, aren't you getting, um, what's the game you like to play? Pickleball. <laughs> Yes, you could show them your pickleball court. Um, and then you could do how you got to where you are now. And it's just an informational video. Um, but I do think it is really important to make sure that you are showing your personal life and stories is a perfect place to do it. If you're worried about that being on your feed amongst your um, like other business photos. Did so, I answer that or is there... Yeah. Excellent. Last question for me, and then I'll open it up. Just could you just briefly explain, because some of us don't know, and I just recently learned what is a post versus a story. And like you're saying, the closed captioning, the question feature, 
Could you just very briefly say, how do you put a question on your story? What's a post, yeah. what's a story and how long okay. do they stay up? Okay, so I'm gonna try my best to do this to where you can see it. But when you go into the Instagram app, I don't know if you can see my screen. I'm gonna do it this way so there's yeah, no glare. Put it, put it up closer, yeah. Can you see it now? Mm -hmm. Okay, so there's a little plus size button and you're gonna tap that button and there's an option to do a post. Can you see that? Post, story, reel, or live, okay? So in the story feature, okay, when you swipe up, oops, let me get up, hold on. Okay, when you swipe up, that's my child. <laughs> when you swipe up on the stories, you'll see all of these features right here, okay? And you can click the question box. And in the question box, you can ask your followers a question or you can tell your followers to ask you a question. And then all they do is respond in the box. And then once you go back to your stores, you'll be able to swipe up and see all the questions they asked or all of their answers. And does that and, keep them on the, keep them on longer, which helps your, your. Yes. You algorithm? want people to be typing and you want people to be like touching their phone while they're on your page. And that makes, that pushes you to the top of the algorithm. So like a video of me playing pickleball and I halt it and say, did I score a point or not? Yes or no. Or you wear different yeah, clothes. So, well, so that's the next thing that you could do is you could use the poll feature. So right here and right, you can ask them a question. Did I score or not? And then you have a poll and you can say yes or no, or, you know, whatever you can customize it to whatever you want it to say in the little toolbox. Last thing, and then I'll open it up. Stories stay on for 24 hours? Yes, they do. But you can also save them under your highlights. Um, so basically, when you have your story, I'm going to pull up my stories right now. Okay, there's a button right here that says highlight. Okay, and when you click that button, you can create um, highlights right under your bio. And so you can have different categories of highlights. So you could have a whole pickleball highlight if you wanted to. So you could store in a folder. Yes. Highlight. And they're right under your bio so people can click on it. And that's a really um, great tool to use if you do informational videos about different topics. And you can have all of those different topics listed as your highlights under your bio. So if somebody asks you a question about a specific topic, you can direct them to that highlight. Um, and they can just watch through an entire Q&A that you did, that you filmed. All right. Opening up for questions. Amazing. A lot of information. And, and I think you've only got hundreds of thousands of followers. So I think she knows what she's talking about. So any, anybody got any kind of general questions? I know this is a lot longer than a 20-minute conversation. Anybody? I got, I got questions. So, Oh, I see Catherine has a question. Oh, sorry. Hey, Catherine. Hey, hi, I thought hi. you weren't going to be on today. Welcome. No, I, I was in the waiting room and I was waiting to be let in for a while. <laughs> hi. Um, uh, my question is, do you find that people um, watch stories more than the post? And so if you want to post something, you should put it on both stories and the post. Yes. 
100%. So anytime you share a new post in your feed, I would share it over to your story so that people can see and get them to click over. But yes, everybody's on stories. The best thing that you can do is to be posting videos because videos stay on their phone longer. Additionally, people usually go over to the Instagram app and just click right at the top and just scan through people's videos and flip through as opposed to scrolling through posts now. So I highly recommend stories. So so put videos on your posts? Put videos on your story. So your Instagram story. stories that you create. And you can still do the same thing for your feed post. So your feed post is what's on your main page. Okay. And then recently Instagram, actually this was about a year ago now where they launched Reels, uh, which is video content. And right now that's huge on Instagram. So that's what I was talking about, about doing an office tour or doing an informational video. You want to put out content that people are going to save and send to their friends um, because, you know, just any evergreen tips and content that you can post is really great for your brand. All right. I see a hand raised. Gina, are you asking a question? Can't hear you. I can't hear you. Go. Oh. Sorry. Hi guys. Um, Jennifer, quick question. Miss you. First of all, you touched on reels. Yes. How, is, how are reels most effective right now? And I know you just talked about it, but really what are you finding are the, the winning strategies? Yeah. The best kind of reel to post, um, are informational reels. So, or, or new life hacks or office hacks, like anything that's just kind of like mind blowing to other people where if somebody sees it, they're going to be like, oh my God, I need to send this to my friend. I need to send this to my lawyer friend. I need to send this to my doctor friend. Like anything that they feel like people need to see um, is what I suggest. But don't be afraid. Don't hold back from posting other things. Like if you have a really great recipe, share it. Again, that's something else that people would continue to share and get people back to your page. Because again, this is an opportunity to let people really get to know you and trust you and be their friend and, and in turn want to hire you. Thank you. Last, last couple last question. So I, I love it. I mean, obviously this is something we should maybe do a whole nother hour on, but anybody else, any questions? Uh, so Esther, I don't know if you have your hand up, somebody else. Yes, I have a question. Um, so I have a whole content calendar and I know consistency is key, but yeah. I'm having a hard time posting at the times I'm supposed to be posting, right? So I create a content yeah. calendar whole yeah. month and I just get so caught up, you know, as a solo, I get like a new client or, you know, I have calls coming in and I just find it very difficult to keep up with my content calendar. Totally. Yes. So there's an app for that, which I have some apps right here. Um, feel free to follow up with me after. If you just want to DM me on Instagram, I can tell you those, but I will tell you that app right now, which is called Planoly, and that's spelled plan O-L-Y. And basically you can put all of your Instagram, your scheduled Instagram content into the app and you can schedule out your posts so that it will post for you. You can even schedule your posts in the Instagram app um, and save them as drafts to go live. So that's great that you have a content calendar. That is something I highly recommend. I didn't know if that was something all of you would be interested in doing, but if you wanna go full force with 
um, posting on social media, content calendar is the way to go. Um, but yes, I totally hear you when it comes to, you know, I have a one-year-old baby and the best times to post for me are in the evening and at 8 p.m. And it's usually bedtime. So that's when you would really utilize that Planoly tool to schedule your post and it'll just go live for you. Thank you. All right. Um, Jennifer, if you don't mind, if you would email me or text me and then Rita will send it out from my office to everyone. If there's a couple of apps that you'd recommend that are great or some areas that we could maybe look up more advice and guys, I've already gotten private texts like this is the greatest show ever. So I think we really are so appreciative of you being here. Guys, follow Hot Off The Rack. And when she comes out with her clothing line, it's going to be amazing. I know Gina's already first in line to get a lot of stuff. So uh, thank you so much. I cannot tell you thank how much I appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. All right, guys. Thank you so much. All right. Wasn't that awesome? Amazing, right? And uh, that's like a scratch on the surface of the flea on the dog of what social media is, right? So I want to switch gears completely and going back and forth and whatever. And I, you know, I, uh, at next week's Cabo convention for uh, the Dordic Trial College, one of the topics is uh, I think Simon and me and someone else are talking about cross-examining experts. And I took a depot in a case that AJ and I are doing of <clears throat> an extremity surgeon named Ron Kavitney. K-V-I-T-N-E. And I want to share a couple of things with you. I'm going to show it on the screen about different techniques that you can use in every single expert depot that one, show the other side that you know what you're doing. And two, eliminates a lot of the BS that the experienced defense experts like to do. Okay. And I want to start before I show it to you. Let me just see if I can, um, if I can share my screen and see if you guys, uh, let me see. All right, let me see if I can, if I can do this. Um, probably should have uh, figured this out beforehand. All right. Um, I don't know if you guys can see all that. didn't work. So let me tell you about it. Um, there is a provision in the civil code of the code of civil procedure 2025.620D. And basically what it says is that if the other side designates an expert and you take that dep expert's video depot, that you can play snippets of that video in your case in chief, whether they call their expert or not. And therefore, um, if you get good sound bites, then you can play it in your case in chief so that if you get an admission from the other side, especially a doctor, like there is a mechanism of injury, you play it with your expert on the stand and the jury kind of feels like they've heard from everything from both sides and it's very effective. But what's critical is if you're gonna play the video that you get a intelligible question and an answer that doesn't have a lot of argument in it. 
And I'm sorry that I thought the screen share was going to work. And maybe Bianca, if you're listening to this, you can come, you can come help me show this. But I wanted to show you guys the um, the actual depot transcript. But I shoot. Bianca, can you come help me? Let me figure this out. Does anybody know how I have to do, go on Zoom to optimize my share preference? Bianca's not here, dear. Does anybody know how I can uh, can do my security so that I can share screen? All right. Mike, somehow the screen share at the bottom isn't letting you in. No, it's saying I got to change my preferences. And the problem, guys, is I had it working, but somebody's filming in my house and I moved out on my laptop and um, it doesn't. And this one didn't have the requisite. Shoot. There might be another arrow next to that screen share button on the bottom to change your preference. Okay, I'm gonna try one more time and then I'm just gonna read some of this to you. Yeah, it's not gonna work. All right, so let me, uh, it's probably just as easy to read to you. So I wanna ask you guys if you've ever experienced something like this. So this is a case with a shoulder surgery where the client had no pre-existing problems. They she had shoulder surgery after the accident and you're asking Dr. Kavitney who writes a report and says she didn't hurt her shoulder at all the surgery was not caused by the accident. And <clears throat> she has $1,000 worth of chiropractic care. And that's the only thing related to the accident. All right. So I want to read to you my question and answer. And I say, so I start, doctor, based on everything you've reviewed in your history, you're aware of no pre-existing problems. No. Are you aware of any complaints prior to the accident of shoulder problems? No. All right. So then once you establish that, then you want to ask the pain, is it caused by the accident? So I ask, well, was any of Miss Rodriguez's pain in her shoulder related to the 11 2017 accident? And what most defense experts do is they don't answer the question, right? They say, and what he did was this. I don't think so. If there was, it would be minimal. I mean, if she had significant shoulder problems, it would have been voiced by her when she had seen in the first 24 hours. There was no exam, no mention of her shoulders in the initial complaints, no x-rays, lumbar, goes on and on and on, right? So then what's important, and you'll see this in the depot, and I apologize, I'm, I'm embarrassed that I'm not making this up on the screen. You have to remember that if you want to play the question, are the pain caused by the accident? You want an answer that answers the question. So I say, look, I'm not asking you right now what the reasons are. I just want to know the answer to my question. Did any of her pain come from the accident? Then he answers, no. So in every time that you have an expert who says, you know, your client has pain, ask them what caused the pain. 
The second technique is using what's called the legal standard. If you ask most doctors for the defense, what was the reason for the pain? They say, like we're going to see in a minute, well, it could be anything. You could sneeze and hurt your back. You could trip and hurt your back. You could have degenerative problems. You could have all sorts of issues. So what I want you to think about is when you ask a question, well, if she didn't have pain before the accident and she has pain now, if it wasn't the accident, what was it? And doctors usually say, well, it could be anything. It could be tripping on the stairs or whatever. But if instead you ask, doctor, I know that you're saying it could be anything, but to a reasonable degree of medical certainty, if it's not this accident, what is it? To a reasonable degree of medical certainty, if it's not this accident, what is it? And I have found that most experts for the defense are great at coming up, of, coming up with possibilities. But just like in this depot, Dr. Kavitney, when asked to a reasonable degree of medical certainty, what's the reason other than this accident? The only thing he could come up with was, well, just activities of daily living. And then I followed up and said, and what activities of daily living are you aware of that she did after this accident? And he says, I'm not aware of anything specific. So that right there is your cross-examination. So I wanted to show more, but read the depot, but I wanted to sum this up. When you're doing a defense expert depot, understand that they don't wanna answer your question and that the good defense experts have a theme that they put into every answer. When you say, was there a mechanism of injury? No, and then they give you all the reasons, even though you haven't asked for them. So you need to ask the question and, and again, and say, look, I'm not asking you why you think this, so that you can get a question and an answer. And when you have that, you then can play it in your case in chief the way that you want to and it's very effective with the jury because especially like in this case, if we try it, I'll have my expert, Dr. I think Dr. K is on this case, explaining how it can be related and is related to this accident. And then I'll play Dr. Kavitney's section. To a reasonable degree of medical certainty, if it's not the accident, what is it? Activities of daily living. Do you know any of those? No. Dr. K, what do you think about that? And then he explains to the jury how that's a bunch of bullshit. And so what you've done in your case in chief is you've basically tried your damage case with the defense expert in your case in chief. Does that make sense? So 2025 is the CCP for depositions. And it's, there's now point and point 0.620 says all of the things you need to do. Basically, you have to uh, disclose ahead of time the page and lines that you want to play. The defense has a chance to play them after you, but it's never happened to me in the 50 times I've done it in trial. Then the last thing, 
And I've said this before, and, and again, I, I have it here. When we all take expert depots, may you, can I please have you all ask the following questions in every doctor depot that you take, okay? In every one, just like in Dr. Kavitney, do you, have you ever taken a lien for care? Dr. Kavitney has. If they say yes, then you follow up and say, and, the, and taking a lien when you did it did not affect your credibility in any way, correct? And they always say, correct. Then you follow up again. And in fact, one of the reasons you took a lien was because you know that that is a very good service to provide to injured people who can't ordinarily get the quality care that they need. And he said, that's right. So now, if any case where someone has Kavitney and they get my depots and they have a case on a lien, I just zeroed you out for you, okay? Next questions. You would agree, every doctor, Kavitney agreed. Doctor, you'd agree. Medicare is not reasonable value for services. I agree. Medi-Cal, not reasonable value for services. I agree. Insurance, not reasonable value for services. I agree. And then the defense lawyer objected like nuts, went crazy. Now, what I've tried to do is I try to ask this of every expert I take. That's why I, I volunteer to take other people's depots because I put it in the bank. And then if you ever have a case with that expert, what is that event now? when they call a billing expert and you take their depot and they've considered Medicare or Medi-Cal or insurance rates in any way, your motion in limine includes the doctor they designated that says it's not reasonable value for services. And maybe you exclude them, okay? If you have a lien, you see the obvious benefit. Does everybody understand that? And I'm talking about it next week. I'm rewriting my article about all the, the questions you gotta ask experts and I'm adding those but I apologize for being an idiot and not having my share screen ready. Um, didn't anticipate it, but you have the depot, read it. It's only about, I don't know, 35 pages. And you'll see the example of him not answering the question and you using to a reasonable degree of medical certainty to get him to basically admit stuff. And then at the end, the questions you always ask. So does anybody have any questions about that? Anybody have any comments they want to say? <coughs> I have a quick question. Oh. Hey, how do, I, how do, hi, how do I get access to those depots? Your... Does anybody know who they should call to get depots? Rita. Miss Rita. So if you email me, I'm just going to forward it to Rita in my office. And you simply say, Rita, Mike, you got anything on Dr. X? And in about four seconds, you'll have 30 depots and trial transcripts and websites and articles and CVs. It's a great resource. Thank you. I knew I struck gold when somebody a few years ago said, you know, Mike, it's malpractice if nobody calls you about their experts, right? I'm like, hmm. Tell that to Lawyers Mutual. Come on. 
Anything else? This is good stuff, guys. This is how you get this pompous defense expert who says all this. To, oh, you ever seen that, that biomech who goes, oh, you know, you could hurt your back just by doing this. Right? You ever seen that? Now ask him to a reasonable degree of scientific certainty or medical certainty. Are you saying they hurt their back by doing that? Oh, well, I'm not saying that. So it's not relevant, right? Well, it's just a possibility. So it's not relevant, right? Like, no, not really. And you eliminate all that bullshit. But if you don't do that, that's what happens in front of a jury. They're like, oh, you know, they could hurt their back by just doing this. That's the kind of crap that they bring in. So when you put it in a legal standard, all of that possibility goes out the window. Make sense? All right. AJ, we're going to win that case big time, brother. Right? So let me segue just uh, if there's no more questions on that. I mentioned something that Christina uh, Mayan and I just, uh, and Dustin in her office, just settled a case yesterday for a, a lot of money. Um, and Christina and I, she had had the case for a while and she brought us in and we collaborated together and kind of worked together. And I wanted to explain just briefly why I think the case settled for, it started low and went really high because her firm and our firm work really well together, but it was always based on the principle that I've talked about forever. Remember, for a case to settle, for a lot of money, the defense lawyer or the defense adjuster has to justify to their higher ups the money that they're requesting. And to do that, their higher ups are going to ask them the same questions over and over. Have you done all the discovery, taken the depots? Um, do you have all the medical records? Do you have all the medical bills? What's the past specials? the Howell specials, specials, and what's the future care? Is there a life care plan? Is there a voc rehab plan? And not only do you have to anticipate that they need this, especially on a multi-million dollar case, you have to give this to them in a sufficient time that if you're gonna go say to a mediation in a month, they need to have it three weeks before the mediation because they have to digest it. They have to send it up the line. They have to ask questions about it. They have to see what their expert may say about it. So if you have a, a life care plan or a big medical record or, oh, I'm gonna go to mediation and spring the surgery on them. At the mediation, they cannot deal with any of that information. It doesn't help you in any way. But if you give it to them earlier, it means a lot. So what we did in that case was, well, as soon as I got in, I said, what do we have and what do we need to get to give to them in this context? And right away, I realized we needed the life care plan finalized. So we spent a hard two to three weeks getting a life care plan to them so that three weeks or so before the mediation, they could digest it. And sure enough, it went from 300 to 2.9 in the course of a month. But I, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Again, we worked really well together. She knew her case backwards and forwards. And, but the whole premise of that is preparation. And it's 
preparing the defense lawyer to go get you money. And so I say all this because I wanted to come full circle and I wanted to talk about a couple of last topics that deal with what's going on with us right now, the change. And, you know, I mentioned that um, we all have seen the traffic come back, right? You're like, oh, I hate this traffic. This changes my life. This changes how I'm going to live. When there wasn't traffic, oh, there's COVID. This changes how I live. This changes my life. And every time there's a change, we all have a chance to examine what that means. And a lot of people sometimes say change is bad. When you say, boy, I just can't wait till we get back to normal. Really what you're saying is, I don't like change and I wanna go back to where it didn't change. Instead, what I would like to at least propose and tell you that I live this way and I think it's a, it, it really makes me happy is that change always happens. And remember, you can't cheat yourself and you can't cheat the facts. And change is a fact of life. We've seen it from traffic to COVID to remote to every part of our lives, to masks, to our practices, to our families. And if you hate change, and we know that change happens all the time, you're gonna be pretty damn miserable. If every time something changes, you say something negative about it and think that it's a bad thing and it happens all the time, you're going to be pretty miserable. So what I wanted to propose, first of all, is now that we're starting to come out of COVID, now that we're starting to take the masks off, now that our 20 minute trip takes an hour and 20 minutes, right? embrace that change. Understand that when a door closes, not just one opens, but two open or more. But the second thing I wanted to say is that when there's big changes, a lot of times I know for me, it shakes me up. And the routines that have helped me and help us, when you get up, when you work out, when you deal with your kids, when you go to work, when you study, when you read, when you do these things, when big changes happen, those routines that help us motivate ourselves, that help us accomplish things and execute, get riled up. And so I would suggest that we all re-examine our lives again with this new change, right? We're about to come out of this and say to yourself, what routines have I been doing that have helped me accomplish what I want to accomplish. And see if with the changing landscape, if those routines have been thrown off and if they have, readjust them. Because look, it's easy when we come back from Cabo next week, right? We're tanned, we're happy, we're excited, we're educated. Everybody tells us we're all wonderful people. We love each other. And we've just learned all these great techniques and we're gonna go out and kick ass, right? That's great for the week after Cabo or the two weeks after Cabo. But a month after Cabo, you're like, oh wait, what was that? And two months, and the way that you jumpstart yourself like you did when you went to Cabo is you create routines that you do all the time that 
put you back in that mindset. And so the point I wanted to make is this transition again, take a moment, think about the things that really are your priorities, how you have accomplished them in the previous time. And if those are changing and you're falling out of those routines, take, some, take a few minutes and try to put yourself back in those routines. I really believe that that will substantially help yourself. And have you noticed on my stories that I started posting consistent behavior, ordinary over time? And the reason I did that was because I noticed for me working out, like, and I work, Gene and I work out every morning, that I, ah, I got to drive an extra 20 minutes to the, and I stopped doing it. And I, it was harder for me to do it. And if it's hard for me, I know it's hard for other people too, because I'm just like you guys. And that's why I started posting it. And that's why I'm talking about it today. I know I'm being preachy. I'm sorry. Indulge me. But I wanted to at least say that and see if anybody had any comments, if they've noticed what I'm talking about. Um, and I'll open it up. All right. Good. Well, um, last thing. Uh, early on when COVID started, I talked about preparing your cases, ordinary but consistent behavior. Remember that for pre-lit and lit, the defense needs all of this list of stuff. Guys, refocus, reevaluate, look at one case a week, five cases a week, 10 cases a week, but consistency. So go look at your, your cases, look at your routines, understand that change is an inevitable thing that happens all the time. And it's a wonderful blessing. And as soon as Jennifer sends me all those apps, Rita will send it to everybody. And with that, I hope everybody has a great weekend and maybe I'll see some of y'all in Cabo, huh? Is there an app, Greg Chudikoff, to clean your desk? All right, guys. Thank you. I'll see you guys soon. Thanks, Mike. Thanks. Enjoy Bye. Cabo. Bye, guys. Bye, Mike. Thank you, Michael.